So if we want to tame something, we can do it. We figured it out. We figured it out. But guess what? Verse eight, no human being can tame the tongue. So we haven't figured it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you dig deep into the Bible and discover the answers for yourself. Mm -hmm. I am so excited to be back. I haven't had an intro to do in a week, so my I'm, I was like just speaking in my podcast voice randomly around my house, yep. but uh, it's missed. good to be back. You so missed. my name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host, and we obviously can't do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Well, thank you, everybody. And I just want you to know we're in the book of James and we're studying it. And my goal is to have you develop a spiritual growth plan for this entire year. I just want to challenge you to really consider that you need to know where you're going spiritually. And so many of the problems that we have in this world, so many problems that we suffer in our own lives right now are mm. due to the fact that, that spiritually, we just don't have any idea where we're going. And so know where you're going so that you can get there and enjoy the ride and have a tremendous sense of accomplishment as you grow in faith. And when you grow in faith, I'll tell you what, you're not going to regret it. It's not going to be something that's like, oh, that was a waste of time. It's absolutely unequivocally one of the most important things you do. This is why the Salty Pastor, I believe, is so important as you share it with your friends to listen to us because what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people get have the tools to grow their own faith and what we're doing is we're doing in-depth bible study on a passage and then we do an application of it in the world every tuesday in-depth thursday application and what i'm what's really unique about the salty pastor is that we're not propagating a seminarian systematic theology right? We're not trying to be professors to just give you more knowledge. What we're trying to do is really help you understand the scripture in a way that you can grab a hold of it and then say, wow, this really is applicable to me to see your faith grow. So it's critical that you have a spiritual growth plan. And we developed a tool called the spiritual growth planning tool. I think that's what it's called. Spiritual growth assessment tool, assessment I tool. but it's got two steps uh, on it already. The third step is coming out this week. Big shout out to our adult ministries team led by Dana Mitchell, who's getting all that out there. Mm. You can get it on our website. You go to our website, you click on that button on the front page. It takes you to each step. You can fill that out. We're working on a way to fill it out digitally. So you can do it just right there on your phone or whatever. We're, we're kind of challenging ourselves to, to up our game and do that, but it's there for you. So I, I just want to kind of iterate that as an opportunity for you to develop a plan to know where you're going and what you're going to achieve spiritually over the course of the next year. And I think it's just really important that people have a plan on how to grow. You don't mm -hmm. go into the gym if you're really wanting to make significant changes in your body without a plan. Without a plan. Or you, whether you work with a trainer for that or you build out the mm -hmm. plan yourself, you mm -hmm. say, you know, I'm doing this time, I'm going these days, I'm working on these body parts. Same thing with people that are recovering from addiction. You don't just like right. stop and just yeah. go, okay, I'm all better now. <laughs> like yeah. you have to have a plan. But for some reason in our brains, when it comes to our spiritual growth, we're just like, no, we just like show up once a week and that's yeah. the extent. Like I, I'm good. I've grown for the rest of the week. I show up on Sunday. That's all I got to do, right? That's yeah. all it is. 
Well, and the whole point is it's a journey of faith. And so you want to know, uh, you want to have benchmarks. It's not a fast food of faith where you just drive through. It's a journey of faith. It's life. It's everything that's awesome about life. And it lets you get so much more out of life. Enjoy what you have when you're here and stay away from the pitfalls that can destroy life. And so it's a tremendous life-giving, life-purpose, life-meaning thing to grow spiritually, particularly in the Lord. And so we want to help you do that. Develop your plan. I'm not going to tell you what your plan is, because what do we always say? We're here to help you think for yourself, grow your own faith, do it yourself. But bam, there you go. So what does, we're in the book of James. What does James teach us that we need to have as part of our spiritual growth plan. Well, we're going to be studying James chapter three. We've done chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. And in James chapter three, he really begins to discuss the difficulty of, of who, uh, the issue of who do we look to to help us grow and what does it mean to grow spiritually you know Mm. Um, so he starts to talk about that and he gets into the whole issue of the tongue in that regard but in order to understand that i think you need to understand the verses that we skipped over last week in james chapter 2 and that's verses 1 through 13. so let me read them real quick and then we're going to kind of talk about them and that is he says verse 1 of chapter 2 he goes my brothers and sisters believers in our glorious lord jesus christ must not show favoritism so the whole issue that he's going to talk about in these 13 verses has to do with hierarchies okay okay where you put people in different classes based upon favoritism Okay. Okay. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring, fine clothes, poor man, filthy old clothes comes in. You show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. So what, what are they doing? Our hierarchy is uh, evident by where people sit in worship. Okay. Okay. But say to the poor man, you have to stand over there. You don't even get a chair, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So he's saying, what have you done? Have you set up a hierarchy of who's important and who's not in the worship event? Listen, my dear children, or my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised for those who love him? So now what is he saying is that when you use the clothes that a person wears, you know, uh, in the modern day thing, the, the car that they drive or the accoutrements of exotic, you know, wealth or whatever mm. is saying that person's important. He goes, what you've done is you're using the wrong hierarchy in God's kingdom because he's chosen the poor to be rich in faith. He goes, have you not dishonored the poor? It's not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? And they are the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him who, who, to whom you belong. So what was happening is he's saying, look, church, don't be a friend of the world because the wealthy people in the world, because no, see what he says? These people are blaspheming the noble name of Jesus to whom you belong. So they're coming into the worship service. They're not followers of Christ. And what they're doing is you're saying, here, sit up front. Cause you're, you're, you're thinking that, well, if we as a church community are friends with these people, maybe they won't persecute us. Right. Okay. So that's the deal that every person makes at some point in their life. And he's addressing this directly. And he goes, if you have favoritism based on false hierarchies of power and importance, you're going to end up 
making really bad decisions. Well, and we see this so many times in both Jesus's ministry, but also kind of here in Idaho, actually, because mm-hmm. more often than not, the what we would call the most wealthy person in the room is usually a farmer. Yeah. And they're not the ones dressed in the nice tuxedos or like, you know, they're yeah. not walking around the in Armani. In Armani. Right. Yeah. They're usually just in work get yeah. up, maybe like a plaid shirt if they're yeah. feeling Got fancy the that day. On. Yeah. And it's like, but they're the ones that tend to be the most fiscally well off in yes. Idaho. But yes. You yeah. wouldn't know Agri- that by looking at huge. But yeah. then you see the same thing in Jesus' ministry all the time. He's never putting stock in the Pharisees or the Sadducees who you would Correct. think, oh, they have all they are the most influential religious yeah. leaders. He should and be spending wealthiest. time with them. And the wealthiest. Yep. He constantly was like, No, I'm gonna go hang out with the lepers or the prostitutes mm-hmm. or the tax collectors or all these lesser thought of people. Yeah. And so Because see what he's doing is he's saying, look, the hierarchy you know there's always this worldly hierarchy doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's the worldly hierarchy is different than God's hierarchy. Mm. There, the, you know, we'll talk about this on Thursday, and that is is that some people falsely claim that well, there is no hierarchy. Well, yeah, there is. <laughs> you know, um, it's just different and it has different values, and that's why it's so significant. But look at verse eight. He goes, "If you really keep the royal law and scripture, love your neighbor as yourself." So, what is he doing? Is he's talking about the value of God's hierarchy is based on love, right? Right. And it begins with, "I'm going to love other people and treat them as I want to be treated, regardless of my station in this worldly hierarchy." And this is a big deal. Like, for instance, um, I, I was listening to this gal, and she's a single gal, and she's trying to find somebody to marry and stuff like that. And she says, if I go out with a guy and he talks rudely to the staff, I actually get up and will leave the date. Mm. She says, I'll leave. And and the reason why is because it is right now um, he's chasing, right? And right. so I get all of his attention. But if we're going to have a long-term relationship after a couple of years – then he's going to treat me that way. Mm. And so I I think that's interesting is that I got to treat people in God's hierarchy through love and the golden rule of others as yourself. He says, verse nine, if you show favoritism, you sin and you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Now this is an important thing to understand. What he's saying is that the Jewish law set up the false hierarchy. See, the Jewish law did it, and so the Jewish law was legalistic in its orientation, and consequently, he's saying that, well, if you're going to use this legalistic law to determine your value and importance in God's kingdom, then guess what? You're going to be bound to that. You're bound to it, and so you are going to be judged by it. He goes, look, you've you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, um, you shall not commit, um, I'm sorry, you've heard that it was written. He says, speak and act, verse 12, as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. So what is he talking about now? He's talking about the law of grace that comes through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. Rather than this condemnation that the Jewish law Yeah, that came from the Jewish law came from. And he says, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So isn't that interesting? He says, Mm. look, the core value of the hierarchy is one of love and it's about mercy and redemption. And and the point is, is that it doesn't matter... Uh, outwardly how wealthy you are or how poor you are, everybody has the same opportunity 
to fulfill a soul need because it's universal. And that is that your soul needs to be brought from death back to life. And that can only happen through the redemptive act of Jesus Christ. So there is a hierarchy in the kingdom of God, but it all unequivocally is centered around Jesus Christ and his redeeming power. That's the gospel. And that's why when the church holds on to that, it always, it always sees the kingdom of God expand. It's when the church lets go of that, that it gets off track and gets into the weeds and all kinds of culturally insignificant issues. Well, and I think that's one of the things we pride ourselves here on is it's very easy for churches to just start dictating, well, this is right, this is wrong, all this stuff, Mm -hmm. um, and making things very legalistic of like what you can and can't do. And we are saying, don't Look to us. Look to the Bible. Like the Bible will share this with you, and yeah, you and need grow to be, yourself and, and grow all, yourself. Yeah, exactly. We're all working in progress, and it's and we're not up here saying, "Oh, well, we've got it all figured out, and we're perfect, and we've never broken any of these ones." It's like no, it's like we're we've made our own mistakes. We're in this journey, journey together. together, and that which is a perfect segue right into verse uh, one of chapter three because. The reason I had to deal with this first is because what happened in the Jewish the, the church there is that it just grew, you know, 5,000 the first day, then it to 10,000, 20,000. I mean, so it was, this was not a little thing. Right. And then it was so threatening that the Sanhedrin through Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, we read about that last week, he starts persecuting the church. And this is called the great dispersion or diaspora. And so that everybody goes back to their cities and then it takes off like wildfire back there. Right. Mm. And so what happened is as this church is growing, this movement is growing, it's getting huge. Guess what? Everybody in the movement starts saying, well, uh, what's the most important thing? You know, well, apostles are teachers. So I want to be a teacher too. So you have all these people that don't have the gift of teaching, right? Who are saying, well, I should be a teacher. It's really interesting. You just set up any type of social experiences, what experiment, any human beings are always this way. And that is, you know, find out what, you know, what game are we playing? And then how do you score? And then figure out how to score. Right. And in the same way for a lot of people, they were starting, it wasn't uh, an evil intent, but listen to what he says based on this motivation. He says, look, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, this is a teaching for teachers of the gospel. And we know that verse two is not a shift in thought. It's actually a continuation of it because in the original language, Greek, verse two starts with the word gar, which means for, it's a way of saying therefore. And so what he's saying is, look, if you're going to be a teacher, right? And you want to do that, you got to understand that you're trying to do the hardest thing of all, because teaching is something you do with your mouth, with your language, it's your tongue. And guess what? There's nobody who can control their tongue. If you can control your tongue, then you'll control your entire body. Mm. And that's his point. When he says, if someone's perfect in what they say, they can control anything, you know? So what he's saying is that the hardest thing to control is your mouth, right? right? That's why you shouldn't be a teacher. He goes, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Likewise, the tongue is a small part of your body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now the That word- is quite the statement. <laughs> yeah, so the word here for hell is Gehenna, which comes from the old Hebrew word uh, Hisson, which is the Valley of Hisson, which is north of Jerusalem. And that's where they went to turn and they burned all the trash from the city city out there. So there's a Mm. big dump out there and it stank and is nasty and all kinds of icky stuff. So that's that. So it was like, yeah, that's where look, your, your mouth, the tongue can be a fire. See, he's saying, you know, it's like you burn the trash out there. Mm. Right. And when you burn that trash and the wind blows in the wrong direction, what happens? Everybody smells it. It's nasty, you know, and he's saying the tongue can do that. And so if you're going to be a teacher, you have to understand the risk that you're taking. And the risk that you're taking is that your tongue can get you, if, if it's motivated personally, and he'll talk about this in a second, can get you into more trouble. And this, we see this all the time. We, we see people who teach, this is really popular in America and the South, and we have a lot of these people that are worth tens of millions of dollars who've gotten up and they, they don't preach Jesus. They preach prosperity. Mm. Okay. Now what's really interesting is that when you come to Christ and you submit to him and follow his path, your life becomes more full and prosperous financially, as well as emotionally and intellectually across the board, because it's a process of healing. Right. Mm. Um, said, but, but what has happened is they've used that to line their own pockets, so to speak. And so this is really popular. A lot of people buy into it. And so he, and what he's saying is, look, these people are going to be judged more strictly. Okay. All verse seven, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. So if we want to tame something, we can do it. We figured it out. We figured it out. But guess what? Verse eight, no human being can tame the tongue. So we haven't figured it out (laughs) when it comes to our tongue. And he says, um, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And, and one of the things that I'd like to talk about on Thursday, but today I just want you to understand the biblical principle here. And that is when anybody is teaching anything, when anybody stands up and says, well, this is what God is saying, or this is what if a politician stands up and says this, or people say that is that we have lost the capacity to say right up front. I don't believe what you're saying. I need to know the evidence and the proof for it. Mm. Okay. And, and this is because of a postmodern ethic that has been, uh, infiltrated our schools for the last 40 to 50 years. And people have taught, been taught to think deconstructionally. Okay. This is the result is that nobody knows how to test the veracity of statements anymore. And so when somebody's talking, they don't say, well, I believe that. Well, well, that's a slight stretch. Oh, that's logically inconsistent. These types of things. So that's a big deal. And he's talking about, this is why we shouldn't become teachers because the tongue is so difficult. And if you're going to be a teacher, this is what you're challenging yourself to do. You got to challenge yourself to control your tongue. And that is one of the toughest things you're ever going to do. Well, and we see this in pop culture, basically anyone who decides to put themselves out on social media or, uh, 
you know, famous people who are yes. on TV or whatever. It's like literally every word they say is being yeah. judged, judged basically yeah. by the world. And it's like, we even see this, you go back 10 years and they said something and someone found a clip of it and they're like, okay, you're canceled now. Or I can't believe you said that. And it's like, you guys didn't say anything 10 years ago when I said that. Yeah. Why? And so it's like, we, we see that level of judgment from the world. We see what James is talking about is a very different form of judgment as yeah. far as what we say. But we can, you can kind of see that just because like people who choose to go into that, they basically hire publicity managers to craft every statement they say so that they don't have that one errant sentence yeah. that could potentially tank their entire thing. And James is basically warning us of the same thing, but it's not the world that will be judging what we're doing and what we're saying. It'll be God. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, I call that a juxtaposition, and that is, is that what happens is that God will have a value in the world, and then the world takes it and corrupts it. Mm. So cancel culture is a corruption of a underlying truth, and the underlying truth is that we should be careful with our words, right. you know, and that's what, and, and what, but what's really important is he's not saying, I mean, even though it's applicable to all people, what he, this is specifically written to people who want to become teachers mm. of the gospel. See, teachers of the scriptures is that's where this actually applies primarily. And a lot of people don't get that, right? They think it's just this general teaching. It's a proverb oh, for everyone every needs to watch. Person. Everyone needs to watch their tongue. Well, uh, in, in a way, you could say that because it's a general principle that's true, just like gravity is a general principle that's true, and it affects everybody, right? Right. But who cares the most about gravity? Well, it's physicists, you know? Right. They know everything there is to know about it. And so, anyway, long and short of it, that's what he's trying to do here is say, look, I want you to understand how difficult it is to become a teacher because what's happened is these people were like, well, we don't want to have the old hierarchy of the Jewish law. And now, now we're going to adopt this new hierarchy and well, let's all become teachers. Mm. And he's saying, yeah, that's not, you got to be careful. You know, if it's not your gift, don't do it because the reason why is because you've got to learn to control your tongue and that's really, really hard to do. And, and the salty pastor, I think is so unique because what some people are looking for in guidance to grow their own faith is dogmatism. They want somebody to tell them what to believe. And then when they articulate it, they go, yes, that's what I believe. And then they just go back and reinforce that. Mm. What I'm trying to do is get you to take a step further in your own maturation process and say, what do I need, believe? How do I sharpen what I believe? And so I need, I want more data, more challenge, more in depth so that I can start to really come to that point in my life where I'm saying, Hmm, I can discern what's coming out of a person's mouth, you know? Well, and what that does is this is phenomenally important. It makes you less of a judge, judgy person, right? Cause when someone says something, you know, and they use a word, you don't immediately go, Aha, oh, that's one of those words that we don't accept. And I, they, you're on that side. You're my enemy now. You know, uh, what I do is somebody says, well, what do they mean by that word? How are they using it? Now they may conclude or go to the point where they are uh, an enemy of the gospel or they are propagating some really salacious things. I said, but what we need to do is we kind of need to understand first, because don't ever forget in the kingdom of God, we're in the business. We are in the business of conversing with people to win them over to Jesus. He says, be ready to give a defense an apologia, apologia, of the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and reverence. 
And so we want to figure out a way to win people over, right? And so if we listen to someone say something and then we immediately discount everything about them because of the word that they just chose to use, then there's no way you can have a conversation with them if you're making a snap judgment and saying, well, they're a lost cause because they used that phrase once and I'm, you know, I'm out. Yeah, you know, because look at what he says in verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. So we'll stand up and we'll praise God, right? Mm. And then we'll curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this way. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt produce, a salt spring produce fresh water. So it's really interesting that see, he's talking about this and that is, is that if you're going to be a teacher, right, you have to know the gospel, you have to know self-control. Mm. And so that's what this whole thing, now, is this self-control of your tongue applicable to everybody? Absolutely. So if you want to grow in your faith, figure out how to season your speech with the love of Jesus mm. and how to understand that Christianity at its core is a truth claim. See, it's not a religion of like music you have to listen to, food you have to eat, ceremonies you have to perform each day, uh, songs you have to sing, uh, statements you have to make, it's, it's clothes you have to wear, haircut you have to get, secret tattoo. It's none of those things. What it is, as courts, a truth claim. And so what that means is that your brain has to engage with it. You have to understand it, how it's transformed your life, how it is transformational to the world in which you live. And so James is saying is that you better be careful of wanting to be a teacher who's talking about the truth claim of Jesus Christ, because you can be the worst messenger of it. Because if you praise Jesus one moment and curse men who are made in his likeness in the next, then that's salt and fresh water coming out of the same spring. Mm. So that's what he's talking about. So, well, before we run out of time, I want to finish off with the last few verses where the second main section, and this is where he kind of changes the, the topic, but he, but he's not departing from the teacher uh, principle. And that is where does a teacher get what they're supposed to teach? So listen to what he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Well, the Greek word for wise here is sophos, which is the same word that Jews use for teachers. So you see how it's connected yes. to the tongue? He goes, see, so now what he's saying is, is be careful because you have to have self-control if you're going to be a teacher. And secondly, what did I just say? Christianity is a truth claim. So you need to get your truth from where? Not yourself. Right. It's got to come from Christ. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual and demonic for where you have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder in every evil practice. So I just want to share real quick, you know, just my own personal experience is that I've been a teacher you know, a preacher of the gospel for over 30 years. And in all honesty, I have to say, when I look back and and some of the times that I preached and I was teaching, I wasn't doing it with a pure heart. And I'd have Mm. to say in some cases, it was probably selfish ambition and it was uh, envy, you know, Um, some of the things that I was trying to teach when I was younger. 
And so there's, there's times, you know, and when I'm talking to God, I'm like, you know, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I'm the vessel you want to use to proclaim your truth because James here says that, that, uh, man, if I have envy or selfish ambition, uh, I'm going to find disorder in every evil practice. And so I'm, I'm worried about that. And, and so some people are going to think, but this is really important. James said, don't think in the hierarchy of legalism, think in the hierarchy of God's love and redeeming grace. Right. Mm. And so see, the point isn't that I've made mistakes in my motivation, right. Or there were times when I wasn't my best self. The point is, is that I have always had at its core, one commitment, one commitment only. And that is the truth that I preach, the truth that I teach, the truth that I try to share with everybody around me doesn't ever come from me. It comes from the heavenly father, because look at verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure, it's peace, loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and has good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. So what I'm trying to preach, and these are the upstream ideas that I'm always preaching, right? And that is, is that every single person who wants America to be a better place should be a part of a church that teaches upstream principles. Every person who wants to see their educational system get on track and do the best it can to uh, raise up the next you know, level of citizens that make America better and not worse. They better be a part of a church that focuses on these upstream principles. Everybody who's married and wants their marriage to last should be a part of a church that focuses on these upstream principles. Everybody wants to raise their own kids, right? Everybody wants to avoid addiction. Anybody wants to find someone worth falling in love with and keeping a covenant with anybody who wants, when they get into a pickle, like maybe an addiction or they, they get into an emotional place where they can't deal with what's going on in their life. And they start to self-destruct. Every one of those people should be a part of a church that focuses on these upstream principles. Cause the reason why is the only hope, the only cure, the only way to redeem it is the power of the gospel the truth, the wisdom that comes from heaven and heaven alone, because it's pure. It loves peace. It wants peace in your life and in your relationships and in the world in which you live. It's considerate. It considers other people as actual human beings. Mm. It's not just that it's, it's submissive. You know, it's not trying to say, I want the power so I can force everybody else to think like me. It's the doctrine of non-coercion. It's submissive in that regard. It's the full of mercy and good fruit. People who come to it are better people. Their lives are better. Their relationships are better. Everything is happening. They're impartial and they are sincere. There's a sense of objectivity that says, yeah, not everybody, you know, is Hitler or a demon or evil. Are people evil? Yeah. Do we mitigate that? Yeah. Do we have to deal with it? Yeah, but ultimately, none of these things that are going to bring about a better world in which we live are going to happen if people aren't a part of a church that focuses on the upstream principles of wisdom that come from heaven. Well, thank you for sharing so much with us today, Pastor Doug, in James 2 and 3. Um, we're going to be talking more about the application of these principles that yes. we've been talking about on Thursday, um, and then obviously you'll wrap up and, and kind of do a, a grand wrap up on this section on Sunday as part of kind of the salty pastor experience. So yeah. um, we're really excited to hear more about it on Thursday. We're excited that you guys are joining us here on the salty pastor today, and we will see you on Thursday here on the salty pastor podcast. Blessings.